Hello, and welcome back to Inside the Yale Admissions Office. My name is Mark, and I'm a Yale Admissions Officer. And I'm Hannah. I'm also a Yale Admissions Officer. And today we are joined by our friend and colleague, Keith, who is also a Yale Admissions Officer. Hi, Keith. Hi, everyone. You all probably remember Keith from our smash hit episode, all about what works in essays. Keith is coming back today to help us answer one of the questions that is truly the, maybe the most frequently asked question that we get as officers. What makes an applicant stand out in our process? Yes, I feel like every time I give, you know, an hour long information session, this question always comes at the end. And it's a really, really good question to ask. Um, And one reason for that is that As we've talked about before on this podcast, selective holistic admissions is not a process of amassing points on a rubric or anything like that. Um, The selection process is inherently tied to the size and the composition of the applicant pool, and uh, we go beyond just assigning scores to different parts of the application. All right, as we're reading, one of the most common reasons that we find that a student is denied is simply because there are tens of thousands of other very strong students who are applying in any given year. It's not the case that there's something that was wrong or weak or deficient about the application that we're looking at. So this question of what stands out is a better question than maybe a question like, well, how do I get into Yale? Um, Because the question, what stands out, kind of recognizes that in order to be admitted to a place like Yale, an applicant is going to need to stand out among this large pool of very strong applicants. Yeah, and part of our job is is reading a ton of files that are very, very strong across multiple dimensions. But when we stand back and we look at the kind of complete applicant pool, we think, well, you know, if we admitted this strong student, uh, we'd also have to admit many thousands of other strong students who fit similar profiles. And as a quick aside, denying admission to these strong students because they don't stand out is not a fun part of our job. No. I consider it kind of an occupational hazard that comes with the territory. And, you know, I think every admissions officer wishes that the class size was twice as big as, as what it is. Um, and, and I know that when I'm reading applications, one of the most frequent things that I will write at the end of one of these applications that's very strong And the reason why I know that the student's not going to be admitted is simply because they're not standing out. Right. Is something like our loss. Yeah. Like, man, (laughs) it's, it's a shame, actually, that we don't have room for this student. Yeah. I think we, we have that experience regularly. Right, Keith? Oh, absolutely. And I want to echo this very important notion that um, Hannah and Mark um, introduced and that, that standing out, it, when, when we talk about that, we're talking about our duty to assemble the most compelling assortment of students in any given year from a range of wonderful choices. It's not uh, the first person who stands out and then the next mm-hmm. person until we get to the capacity. I think of creating a large abstract mural. every new season with a wide variety of colors and textures. We can go go wild with this, but we're intentionally looking to create something that's beautiful and and comprehensive in a way. The truth is we could theoretically set aside our first attempt at the mural in the middle of the selection process and create a whole new masterpiece Mm -hmm. among the remaining applicants who weren't included in the first piece. And that's not just a line. It's it's genuinely true. Remember that you will stand out. And whether in that moment in time you're selected to be part of a particular college's mm-hmm. 
mural, mm. chances are you'll be included in other great works of admissions art. Uh, more on this topic is coming up. Yeah, that's that's a perfect segue, Keith. Well um, said. Because what we want to talk about next is the sort of related question um, to what stands out to what are you looking for? Um, and in fact, we have a whole page on our website that is titled What Yeah Looks For. For more on this topic, our quick Cliff Notes version of it, there's really two parts to what we're looking for. We are looking for students who are going to add the most to the Yale experience and get the most out of the experience while they're here. Yes, exactly. And you can really understand our entire admissions process as sort of an exercise in trying to optimize for those two goals. Um, and we know that this sounds a little bit cliche and a little wishy-washy, but uh, it's worth sort of breaking down what this really means. Um, so we aren't necessarily trying to determine, you know, who is the smartest, who has the tip-top GPA, who has overcome the most hardship, uh, who's the most deserving in our process. That's not really our job. Um, and we're also not trying to predict who is going to become the most successful entrepreneur or politician or, you know, who is going to be gracing the, the pages of our alumni magazines after graduation. Um, and we aren't even trying to predict who is going to, uh, you know, have the best performance in Yale classes. Yes, we want to select students who are going to thrive at Yale, but we are not trying to optimize for the collective GPA of graduating Yale seniors. That's not something we track or sort of do backwards analysis on. And in my experience, a lot of applicants seem to approach the admissions process thinking that we're selecting for something that we aren't. There's a myth that more is better, mm -hmm. mm. more classes, more advanced classes, more activities, more recommendations, more awards and certificates. Mm -hmm. I read an application yesterday where 54 um, PDFs of oh, um, no. awards One of those. Uh, going back to third grade <laughs> were included. Oh dear. We're, listen, we, we are uh, patient and we understand the pressure, but we want you to know that more isn't always better. And, and Hannah talked about it too. Best isn't automatically better. A great point average that is 0.000004 higher than your closest academic rival doesn't mean that in our eyes you're a stronger uh, scholar. And the same with um, unique isn't always better, especially mm -hmm. in terms of activities, accomplishments, even ways of thinking or expressing yourself. Unique can be interesting. And for some students where that uniqueness is natural, um, it, it, it might make us think about how this student can add a, a different kind of um, uh, uh, flavor or experience point of view to the undergraduate um, uh, experience. But it's almost never a good idea to strain to be mm -hmm. unique. Yeah, so in many ways, our work at hand is, I think, narrower and sort of less ambitious than what people imagine. Mm. You know, our job is not to render judgment on your eternal soul, <laughs> dividing the sheep from the goats. You know, we're not even trying to name winners and losers in some big race. We are trying to create a shared experience for 
four years among a relatively small group of undergraduate students. And I think if you kind of refocus what the task at hand for admissions officers is, it can help you think about what kind of things would stand out for that sort of endeavor as opposed to something that might seem a little bit more you know, lofty or ambitious. I'll just say that students who focus on introducing themselves just as they are tend to stand out a bit more than many who go to great lengths to try and showcase what they or others think college admissions officers want to see. Mm -hmm. And we know this is all stressful. And we would feel the stress a hundred times greater if we thought that our not being able to admit all applicants to Yale meant that they would not be able to go to any other great college Absolutely. or college right. at all. So probably every selective college with uh, you know a strong residential community might try to optimize for the same things that we're talking about. But uh, at its core, these are going to mean different things at different colleges. Um, so a student that we feel would add a lot and take a lot from Yale might not add as much or take away as much from another college. And our work is very specific to the particular contours and features of the place that we work. Right. Hannah and I have both worked exclusively at Yale, so we consider ourselves sort of experts on the Yale undergraduate experience. Yes. And, you know, our admissions work has been closely tied to that. Keith, you've worked at a few different places. So can you give us a sense of, you know, how those unique features of particular colleges can play out in the committee process? When I've noticed it at being at one wonderful places with, uh, as Hannah suggested, that some of the same features are prized, uh, but in different ways than um, uh, many students and uh, parents and other observers may think. Uh, one thing for sure is that most admissions offices in, on behalf of the college and faculty can't imagine not having an undergraduate um, uh, population that's uh, uh, diverse in every way you can think about mm -hmm. that 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 we prize some um, qualities of students, not just their achievements, their mm -hmm. their uh, their curiosity, their willingness to engage, which doesn't doesn't mean that you have to be an, an extrovert. But I have noticed that different schools may have different personalities or stress different mm -hmm. characteristics, which. Um, students may be drawn to that, and quite rightly. There are um, kind of specific programs sometimes that students even mention in their in their applications that suggest that they they understand the environment and personality of a place, and they know not only is the major offered, <laughs> mm -hmm. but but the the activities, the research, and so on. And this may apply to extracurricular activities. The um, uh, e even the the environment, the proximity to green trees and water <laughs> and, and so on. I think we would all prefer that students try their best to understand um, how they may thrive in the places. We try very hard not to um, anticipate what is best for students. Mm -hmm. But we do take into account when they introduce themselves to us, whether or not for, I'll use Yale as an example here, someone is so eager to, to take a, a accounting and marketing and mm -hmm. so on and, right. and, and uh, study business at the undergraduate level and then are shocked to find out that's not the nature of the place. 
We are gonna unpack this idea of fit in depth in just a minute. Before we do, I wanna take just a second to acknowledge that this conversation is probably kicking up a lot of big questions in your mind about what does merit mean? And what's the role of elite institutions in society? And how does this play into social mobility and access to social capital and all these things? And I want to just say that that is not lost on us. Um, I actually really hope that we can dig into that more deeply in a future episode. Yes. We're going to try to keep this conversation a little bit more narrowly focused. But <laughs> if you're kind of pulling your hair out saying like, why are they not thinking about this or, or that in, in these conversations? Know that that is something that we think about a lot. Um, yes. But, but let's get back to this question of when we are reading application after application, what stands out? Yeah, so I think a lot of the stuff that Keith was talking about can be summed up very neatly in this idea of fit. And that's something that you'll hear admissions officers talk about all the time. So let's unpack that a little bit. And um, let's just start with the obvious. So like, what does it mean to be a good academic fit for Yale? Uh, there are a couple ways to demonstrate to this to us. But like, Keith was saying, um, not having this narrow pre-professional focus and instead having an understanding of multidisciplinary study and, you know, this idea of a liberal arts education that, that doesn't box you into one area during college, that's a good start in terms of understanding, you know, why you might want to study at Yale in particular. By the way, Mark and I understand that we're sort of mired in these terms in our day-to-day -day life. And um, it's not the case that every successful applicant would be able to articulate that, you know, their approach aligns with a liberal arts philosophy mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's more often that we sort of sniff that sort of thing out from cues and essays and teacher recommendations, you know, the way the student writes about their own interests, the way the teachers write about their approach in the classroom. So all of this is to say you don't have to necessarily uh, be able to name these things in order to demonstrate to us that you fall into these categories. So academic fit is obviously a critical component of this, but there's other elements of fit as well. One of them is what I just like to call playing well with others. Um, <laughs> yes. A student who's a good fit for Yale is someone who is interested in engaging with and learning from others. That's a huge part of our undergraduate experience. Mm -hmm. Not the case at every college university, definitely the case at Yale. Um, that student also needs to be interested in sharing their own experiences. And mm -hmm. so a student's kind of willingness to dig in and reveal themselves in an application can help us get a sense of, okay, this student is, is open to sharing where they're coming from as well. And then finally, a, a sense that they're collaborative as opposed to competitive, right? You, you need to have this sort of basic baseline sense that the people around me are great resources and they're people I want to collaborate with as opposed to just people I can jump over and surpass in the course of my undergraduate career. Another way this, this can sometimes play out is an ambition and excitement for um, research or other learning experiences outside of the classroom. Uh, Yale is a place that is very, very rich in, in sort of resources and it's a place that really rewards initiative and kind of requires initiative for you to get the most out of living and learning here. Um, there are a lot of opportunities at Yale that rely on sort of a continuous stream of innovative student-generated ideas. So if you want to come to a place that your sort of innovation can, can have room to grow and to thrive, this is a pretty good place for that. Yeah. 
sometimes, and I'll say this is rare, but sometimes a fit aligns around something very specific to Yale. Um, and this might be that a student is passionate about a particular type of research a Yale professor does or wants to work with a particular collection that we have. Um, and I want to make clear that's not the same as just Googling something for Yale saying, oh, I think I want to major in computer science. So let me Google Yale computer science. And right. then you write in your application, I want to study with Professor such and such. She's fabulous. Right. Um, it's much more common, actually, that we get a sense of good fit, not for something super specific, but actually because a student is saying, I don't really have my academic path planned out. Yale happens to be really great for that kind of student um, as well. So even though sometimes there's a sort of alignment of the stars and we say, oh my gosh, yes, this specific thing that we have, this student is perfect for, more often it's a, it's a more general sense of this student's approach to undergraduate learning seems like it's gonna be a good fit for all the different places that they could go over the course of their four years. Um, another thing that we get excited about in, when we're reading and in the committee room is when an applicant demonstrates that they are sort of a high impact member of their community. One of my favorite lines to read in a letter of recommendation is, wow, the student will really be missed mm -hmm. after they graduate, or this student's impact on the school or on the community will be felt for years and years and years after they leave. I don't want to dwell on sort of pop psychology here, but you don't have to be a super extroverted person to be a high right. impact community member. Right. Yeah. You know, we see leadership and impact that comes in all kinds of different forms. And I think that's a good segue to talk a little bit about where in the application some of these things tend to come up, just to give you a little bit more kind of uh, specifics about where we find these things that we're talking about. Right. If you've been frustrated that we've been having all this lofty talk, like, <laughs> let's drill down. Because yes. there are actual real moving pieces of the application and different students can stand out in our process in different parts of them. So let's start with essays. Side note, listen to the three episodes that we did about essays for lots more on this. But broadly speaking, a student can stand out in an essay when they do something like reveal themselves as a real thinking and feeling person. Yes. I know that sounds a little yeah. bit silly, but yeah. that really stands out. Um, when over the course of 650 words, I say, oh, a real person wrote that. Yeah. A real interesting yes. person wrote that. That stands out. Um, similarly, an essay that can showcase a real, genuine academic passion and curiosity really stands out. This is different than just saying, hey, I'm interested in this. I liked this class or, hey, look how accomplished I am in this area and all that I've done. And it's not what I was saying earlier, like here's how I will study this at Yale and be wildly successful and go on to this profession and, and all mm -hmm. that. I'm talking about showcasing, revealing, demonstrating that something really gets you excited and mm -hmm. that this curiosity and this passion is a really sort of intricate part of who you are and you're gonna bring that with you to Yale. I, I think I've I mentioned this in one of our other episodes about essays, but if we can get to the end of an essay and think, you know, not only do I feel like I've I've sort of met this person or I get a sense of what it would be like to have a conversation with them or, you know, um, be in the same room with them, but also I get a sense of why the student is really excited to, uh, to come to Yale and, and make use of the resources here. So that is always a winner for us. Yeah. Okay. Next area. 
extracurricular activities. We are planning to do another podcast episode about this at some point in the future. Um, so stay tuned for more about this. But things that can stand out from a student's extracurricular activities. Number one, certainly if you have an exceptional level of accomplishment in a particular area, that stands out. But I want to make clear, we are interested in the person who's behind that accomplishment that accomplishment is not just going to speak for itself, even if it's super impressive. So we're not just going to say, oh, well, this student is an Olympian, they're in, or this student, you know, had some amazing science experiment and they launched a rocket from their backyard, they're in. <laughs> we say, that's impressive. Who's the person who did that? Right. I want to learn more about them. Right. Um, and then uh, your extracurricular activities are another spot where impact on your communities can really stand out. Um, and I I want to make sure that that we say that formal leadership a formal leadership position doesn't necessarily mean you've had a strong impact on your community. And we're more kind of interested in exactly what you have done and um, how you've engaged with this extracurricular or this group or this community that you're a part of than, you know, how many years you've had held X leadership position. All right. Next up, teacher recommendations. Listen to our episode about this, but broadly speaking, Letters of recommendation that stand out tend to break the formula that the student's teacher might have for most of their recommendations and sort of takes the time to stop and say, I really want to advocate for this student because they were truly special in my class. And one of the things that I always note, Mark, is when teachers can express why they're happy to have um, a particular student in their classroom, and it, sometimes the what they notice is might be surprising. I might read from the same teacher who appreciates having uh, Gwendolyn in the classroom because um, though she doesn't speak all of the time, she is so thoughtful and considers what's going on that when she speaks, everyone listens mm -hmm. and it may change the course of, of the conversation. The same teacher might say, I'm really happy to have uh, uh, Juan in my classroom because he's always buzzing with ideas mm. and isn't afraid to to suggest things that are uh, original or an alternative point of view. And that generates uh, lively discussion in the classroom, which is gratifying not only to the teacher, but the, but the rest of the classroom. So those are the kinds of things we love to see. So there are some other things that stand out as well that don't necessarily sort of fit into one of those categories. Um, for one, a student who's achieved a lot despite lacking some resources, whether at home uh, or at their school. And I want to make clear, this is particularly exciting for us because to achieve a lot in a, sort of an under-resourced environment demonstrates impressive resourcefulness and initiative that mm -hmm. can just explode at a place like Yale. So when we see that a student is sort of pushed beyond the boundaries of what you might expect from, from where they uh, are coming from, it bodes really well for their ability to really take advantage of, of what they would find at a place like Yale. We also seek students from backgrounds that have been traditionally underrepresented at Yale. Um, and I'll just say this encompasses a lot of different kinds of backgrounds and identities. And it's never as simple as simply checking a box and then all of a sudden you stand out in our process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a diverse student body, as you've heard us say, it's essential to our educational mission. Um, this animates what we do. This is not empty talk. This is a critical component 
component of our work in admissions. It's a critical component of the work that everyone does um, on our campus. This encompasses socioeconomic diversity, racial and ethnic diversity, geographic diversity, ideological diversity, mm -hmm. diversity of interest, opinion, belief, talent, ambition, etc. We want to amass a group of students who are going to be interesting and different from each other. Yeah, it would be super boring if our students were all really similar. Um, so many applicants stand out in our pool in part because they would add something to the rich diversity of our undergraduate student body. In addition to being strong along a lot of other dimensions and, and usually standing out in some other ways that we talked about as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I will say, though, that standing out isn't necessarily the same as novelty. So hopefully your takeaway from this episode isn't that you need to do something super wacky or unusual that no one has ever done or thought of before to stand yeah. out. Yeah, we see students take that approach to their yes. applications. And, and sometimes it's it's interesting, <laughs> but doesn't always, you know, wind up being successful for the applicant. Yeah, exactly. It's almost always interesting. Really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what you should take away is that if you are an applicant in a pool like Yale's, there are going to be lots and lots of students who are very smart who are doing very well in their courses and active in their activities and who are on a path towards having a very successful college career. That is just the typical applicant in our pool. The students that we admit, they all stand out from that crowd for a reason. Some of those reasons are pretty specific to Yale. Others are probably true at every selective college. So when you're working on your application, uh, we want you to think about what you'd add to a college and what you would take away from it, because that is ultimately what we're thinking about and how we're sort of uh, framing our, our thoughts when we read your application. And even if you feel like, hey, I'm just an ordinary student, if you've identified a college like Yale or another school as a good fit, you can certainly make yourself stand out for that college by showcasing the things about you that resonated with your experience learning about that college, whatever led you to think, hey, this school is a good fit for me. So we've covered a lot here. This is one of our more substantive conversations. Keith, thank you so much for joining us and, and adding all of your wisdom today. We really appreciated it. My yes. pleasure. Thank you, Keith. We'll have to have you back on soon. Thanks, as always, to our friend and colleague, Jill, who's both our sound engineer and a great admissions officer. Thanks to Reed, who lends us his office here in the admissions office. Hannah and I are both back here in the admissions office for the first time in a long time. Very so exciting. Thank you, Reed. Thanks to our former admissions officer, Andrew Brick Johnson, who composes our great music. You should check him out at andrewbrickjohnson.com. If you have comments for us or an idea for a future episode, drop us a line at yaleadmissionspodcast at gmail.com. And finally, remember that the views expressed in this podcast are ours and don't necessarily represent those of Yale University. Thanks for listening.